Before we start today's podcast, the Truth About Aging wish to acknowledge that this episode has been recorded on the traditional lands of the Ghana people. We pay our deepest respects to Elders past, present and emerging. We acknowledge the Ghana people as the custodians of the Adelaide region and that their cultural and heritage beliefs are still as important to the living Ghana people today. everyone and welcome to the Truth About Aging podcast. I'm your host, Kate Helmore. Each week we'll be unpacking your questions about the aged care sector, discussing how to age well, grow old and make informed decisions. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to episode 44 of the Truth About Aging podcast. My name is Kate and I am the host of this show and today we're going to be talking all about the election and what that means for the aged care sector. Now, unless you haven't been keeping up to date with the news, <laughs> Labor have been elected and Anthony Albanese is our new Prime Minister and I wanted to spend some time talking today about what that means for aged care. Whilst it wasn't one of the key topics throughout the election, I'd say it was probably trumped by a few other things like climate change, it certainly had been discussed a lot throughout and there were a lot of different recommendations and promises made by all parties about what that would look like for aged care. So I thought today we'd spend a little bit of time unpacking those just to give a bit of insight into what we hope to see over the next few years. So the majority of these policies came out of the Aged Care Royal Commission, which ran from October 2018 to March 2021 and took a really deep look at the aged care system in Australia, where it's working, where it's failing, where better care is needed and what's needed to improve that standard of care across the board. So from the Aged Care Commission, there were 148 recommendations, so quite a large report if you're wanting any light reading at night. But so most of these policies are based around some of those key recommendations. The main one, which you've probably heard talked about most, is wage increases in aged care. On the whole, the Labor government had committed to $2.5 billion over four years to aged care. Now, that's across all of these different policies. But wage increases are currently being looked at through the Fair Work Commission. It's not yet clear exactly what the recommendation of that is, or at time of recording it's not. However, once that is decided, Labor have agreed to back whatever the wage increase is. Now, this is particularly important, not just because aged care workers work tirelessly to support the vulnerable in our community, but it's essential if we want to see the growth in the aged care workforce that's required to look after the aging population. We know there are more and more people requiring care, whether that's at home in the community or within residential care facilities, and there's simply not a workforce to sustain that at present. So, The Labor government's hopeful that the wage increases will draw more people into the sector and also reward those that have been working there tirelessly for a really long time. Now, probably one of the most publicized parts of the Royal Commission was around some really tragic stories of abuse in the aged care sector. And I guess even when it maybe wasn't as intense as abuse, potentially neglect or mistreatment and some really, really sad stories 
So one of the other key policies is stronger penalties to protect Australians in aged care. Now, as I said, this comes out of the recommendations from the Aged Care Commission, and Labor is planning to introduce a number of things, including what they call a new general duty of care, which creates a path for class actions against dodgy providers. It's really in response to the Commission's recommendation that providers have a clear understanding of their legal responsibilities. They're also recommending criminal and civil penalties, including jail time for dodgy aged care providers. So this is for things like serious repeated breaches, uh, breaches that are found to be deliberate, and those that facilitate and cover up abuse and neglect. They're also recommending a new aged care complaints commissioner. So this is to ensure that complaints uh, that are made against providers are dealt with thoroughly and promptly as well. And Labor's committed to ensuring a new complaints commissioner in place by late 2022. They've also said they'll have new civil penalties to protect people who make complaint from retaliation. So sadly, some older Australians and their families are often too scared to make a complaint because of fear of retribution, although that is ingrained within the aged care rights. So this will introduce new penalties to protect people who make a complaint. They're also looking at mandatory care time reporting. So this is to ensure that the funding provided to facilities is being spent on genuine care and nursing time, so care and clinical support, not on other administration, maintenance, marketing, other services that aren't care-related. So part of this commitment as well, which we'll come back to in a second, but is increasing the care time to 215 minutes per resident per day in line with the Royal Commission's recommendations. The other part of this is also requiring providers to publicly report on their expenditure of resident and taxpayers' money. So this means that they'll need to break down anything that they're spending as part of an aged care financial report. So this is things such as uh, how much is spent on care, nursing, maintenance, food, which we'll come back to because that's been a hot topic, cleaning, administration, and profits. So they're really looking to focus on rebuilding this trust within the sector, getting greater transparency so that people can start to trust aged care again. So one that I just mentioned then that's come up a number of times is around food within aged care or residential aged care facilities. I probably should have also given a little bit of a content warning at the start of this. Some of this is really really quite awful, the things that have come out of the Aged Care Royal Commission. It is a very, very interesting read about the standard and what's currently happening within facilities. So the commission found that up to two thirds of aged care residents were at risk of malnourishment. Now, this included evidence of unacceptable standards of food. So particularly around the lack of fresh ingredients, over and undercooked meals, a lack of variety, and what was described as dog-like food. So part of the recommendations from the commission that the Labor government have committed to putting in place are new mandatory aged care food standards. So this is to really ensure that aged care residents get real food, which is fresh, healthy, nutritious, safe, tasty, and particularly around looking to respect cultural, religious, and dietary requirements. The other part of it is also mandatory reporting rules. So this is to ensure that the basic daily fee that's given to providers for care and nutrition is actually spent on nutrition, the ingredients, the kitchen staff, and that they're very clear and transparent in that reporting. I'm just going to put a quick random announcement in here. (laughs) 
My partner and my baby have arrived home. So if you hear small baby noises in the background, that's what it is. But so just ignore that and we'll keep going with regular programming. So one of the other really, I keep calling them key ones, but they're probably all ones that you've heard about, particularly if this is a space that you're interested in in the first place, is that the Labor government have committed to a nurse in every nursing home 24-7 and providing more time to care. So this has been a really key thing that came out of the Aged Care Royal Commission that they had unacceptable staffing levels in over half of nursing homes. Now, obviously, the pandemic made that even more challenging, but it was a pre-existing issue as well. Aged care workers regularly report that in some cases, one staff member has been left to care for up to 40 residents. So this inadequate staffing means that nurses and care workers are forced to make decisions about who they're going to care for and who has to wait. So this often results in residents being left in soiled pads, waiting too long when they call for assistance, not being helped to the toilet, also people missing out on regular showers, having assistance to eat, being able to have regular phone and video calls with their family and friends. There are reports of avoidable falls, substandard care and accidents that are happening that really could have been avoided. Really, it just concluded that the aged care workforce was the foundation to any kind of successful reform in aged care and that you can't provide any kind of high quality care without having enough staff. So the particular labor commitments throughout this are putting nurses back into nursing homes 24-7. This is required by July 2023. So there is some time for it to come into play, but that is what they're working towards. They're also lifting the average care time for each resident to 215 minutes per day, including 44 minutes with a registered nurse. Worth noting here, this isn't the facilities themselves having to pay for extra time with nursing staff and care workers. This time is being funded by the government. So Labor's providing an average of an extra 35 minutes of care time per resident per day than the current levels. So this means there's more time for meals, showers, dressing, wound management, and more. They're also looking to improve care continuity by requiring providers to preference direct employment. So Labor's aiming to reduce a high staff turnover associated with an over-reliance of temporary staff. There are a lot of agency staff within aged care facilities. However, as you would expect, Their best care comes from regular workers so that they're able to form relationships with the clients, get to know their individual needs, get to know how to work with them on their own, and having a much smaller turnover of staff provides greater levels of care. So Labor's looking to work with providers, workers, and unions on the implementation of direct employee preference, and that's looking to commence from January 2023. Labor's also planning for fee-free TAFE and 20,000 extra university places, which will support an increase in nurses and care workers within aged care. And finally, there is also a policy around capping home care administration and management fees. This, I guess, is again come out of the Aged Care Royal Commission in which it was reported that some providers were charging up to 50% of home care packages on administration and management fees. If you're not clear with what that means, essentially with a home care package, there's a certain amount of money provided to that individual to spend on care and services. Each home care provider will have some fees that come out of that for administration and management. 
So according to the Grattan Institute, there's an average of 25% of home care fees that are taken up by administration and management costs. However, there are some reports of organizations charging as much as 50% out of people's packages. And also, I guess, related to that as well, the Aged Care Quality and Safety Commission report that up to 40% of all their complaints are related to fees. So the two key parts of this one are capping those home care fees. So they'll work with older Australians, families, providers, and experts to set caps that protect the quality of residents and the quality of care. And also introduce clear and transparent reporting on home care fees. So there have been a number of complaints that the home care fees are confusing or unclear, which is where sometimes they're finding that some providers are able to charge high fees without the consumer fully understanding what that means. So they're requiring providers to give home care recipients a clear monthly breakdown of their fees and services delivered. Now, this is something that is somewhat already implemented, but I'm assuming by this they're just looking to, I guess, refresh that and make sure that it is even clearer for consumers so that they can understand where their funding is going. So there's quite a bit in there. I guess the key kind of areas are around that wage increases, registered nurses on site 24-7, increasing the number of minutes a day of care in residential care, better quality food, making sure the dollars are going directly to care services and capping those home care fees. I guess from a critical lens, one of the things that's potentially missing from that as well is that real focus on home care packages and the wait list associated with that. Now, maybe that's just my particular standpoint and my own little bugbear, but there really is still such a huge wait list of people who are in desperate need of home care packages. And I really hope that as part of them reviewing the Aged Care Royal Commission recommendations, that they pay a bit more attention to those wait times as well, because The majority of these, the majority of the policies that they're looking to roll out are focused on residential aged care facilities. And whilst I would accept that there's probably more of a crisis in that area, I think there is most definitely a desperate need for home care as well. And I think what I've seen is that when it's done successfully, putting appropriate funding within the home care sector can ease some of that strain on the residential sector as well. So it will be very interesting to see how this plays out over the coming years, but I thought it was a very timely point for us to have a look at what we can hope to see over the next few years as well. I guess also a good point to say, please, 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 if these are things that are important to you and that you're passionate about, speak to your local MPs. It doesn't matter that the elections just happened. It can be any point in time. It's really important to keep reporting and keep pushing these matters that are so, so important for the vulnerable in our community. These are great steps forward, but we still have quite a long way to go. So I'm hopeful that when we're looking back on this in two, three, four, five, ten years time, we'll say, gosh, that was a a good start to what is now a much more well-functioning system. Thank you as always for tuning into today's episode. As always, you can find me at www.thetruthaboutaging.com.au. I'm on Instagram at The Truth About Aging, on Facebook at The Truth About Aging Podcast, and we drop episodes every Wednesday. So if you haven't already, please subscribe. There are different links depending on where you're listening to the podcast to follow and automatically download upcoming episodes. 
And if you're feeling generous, please feel free to leave a review. This does really help us get connected with new audiences and help new people find the podcast as well, which really is ultimately my mission to spread this knowledge to as many people as possible. So I hope you're all having a beautiful week and I will speak to you again next Wednesday. Bye. Bye.